I know as a writer of history myself, I learn so much from writing about it, way more than I do when I simply read it. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Well, hello, Andrew. I know it's been a busy summer for you. It is getting into the summer, and it's been as busy as I've ever been and likely to get busier. And I know as you're out traveling and going to homeschool conventions and, wow, places around the world this year, you get to run into people, well, encounter people, friends, who are doing things similar to what you're doing, which is talking to homeschoolers. And today we have on our podcast, one of those people, Charlene Notgrass of Notgrass History. And that is so wonderful that she can join us. Yes, Charlene and Ray and their team at Notgrass History. I see them often, but we seldom have a chance to talk much because, of course, the convention is a busy place and we're kind of passing like, uh, I wouldn't even say ships in the night, more like Ships in a race. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, think jet skis. That's, that'd be nice if we had some, some of those little uh, motor-powered roller skates to zip around a convention. Like Segways? Facility. Yeah, like Segway, only built into your body so you didn't, you know, have to buy it or something. <laughs> but I guess that's called feet and we can walk. But yes, Charlene, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I mean, we've known each other for many, many years, and we've got many mutual friends. Right. The cute ones that come to mind right now, although they're growing up fast and aren't so cute anymore, are the uh, the Schmidt children. Yeah. You remember uh, Solomon Schmidt? Uh, absolutely. Precious, precious kids. Yeah, his sister Cecilia. Both of them have become published authors. That's what she's in their teens. <laughs> Solomon has specialized in history, which must bring great joy to you. It does. Or competition to you, perhaps, Charlene? <laughs> Is there competition? Well, no. Their mom has sent so many customers to us through the years. They are big fans of ours and of Andrew's. Yeah, we adore them. And no, it's not competition. He certainly does have a penchant for finding the interesting facts that you might not otherwise bump into. His mom, of course, is always telling everyone, how did you get your kids to write books? And she always says, not grass history and IEW. That's it. So I just thought maybe we could chat a little bit about your experience with how writing affects one's study, understanding, appreciation, love of history, and how your curriculum promotes writing assignments and, and writing 
whatever you do promote <laughs> in terms of writing. We definitely do promote writing because we we teach history and English and Bible altogether. So our high school courses, students get credit in English, Bible, and history all with one course. Although we do not teach writing skills, we appreciate Andrew for doing that, but our students get assignments in writing when they are both when they're in high school and also in our program that is for grades five through eight. We In that program, we give them writing assignments twice a week, and in our high school, we give them a writing assignment every unit. So, yes, we think writing about history, learning about history, and learning what the Bible says about the issues in history all at the same time is a great way to learn. And we also assign the students primary sources to read and also give them classic literature suggestions, too. So to us, it's all very integrated, and we appreciate the way IEW gives students skills to do what we're assigning them in our history. What skills specifically would you say are most important or useful or helpful to the student of history? You know, because people think about writing in a lot of different ways. Sometimes there's what people might call creative writing. Other times there's analytical writing. Sometimes in like high school literature classes, you'll you'll get argumentative type of writing. And and then there's also a need for summarizing. I remember reading an article not long ago by a couple university professors who had done research in the declining writing skills of high school graduates and college students. And they pointed out that just being able to summarize is so very important at at a college level, and so many students don't come in with even basic summarizing skills. So I guess from your perspective, you've written the assignments, you've seen, you've met students who've done these assignments, you've probably got a lot of feedback over the years. What would you say are the most important skills for students to bring to the study of history as you teach it? Well, that's a really good question, and I don't think I've ever thought about it exactly in that way before. The kinds of things that we assign, and I guess for us, we try very, very diligently to make our curriculum usable by a wide variety of learning styles and skill levels. So we, every unit in high school, give a wide choice of assignments. So they have an opportunity to do essays. They have opportunities to do summaries. They have opportunities to do interviews, letter to the editor, just a wide variety of different kinds of writing. So I don't know. I think students need to have all of the skills that you mentioned. And I feel like our assigning the students to write about what they're studying in history at the moment is really effective. 
we have suggested to people before when they're using IEW and not ghost history at the same time that perhaps they use some of our assignments in our books, you know, use the way you teach them how to write, but to use our topics for what they write about to connect, you know, the history and the writing together. Well, one thing we've always tried to stress from the very beginning with our teaching writing instruction style course and all of the seminars I've taught for the last 20 years, we've always said, don't have writing be kind of a separate subject all unto itself. Make it a part of your study of history and Bible and science and literature and current events and government. Whatever it is you're reading and talking about, that's what you want to be writing about because then you learn what you're trying to learn so much better than just reading and maybe taking a multiple guest test or something like that. So I'm guessing that you found that to be true too. The the things that students take the time to write about are likely the things that stick with them the most easily or the longest, would you say? Absolutely. I believe that that's why uh, we... We use the multidiscipline approach ourselves, and we are blessed. Ray, actually, my husband Ray, actually studied this way in high school just one year. He had a history professor and an English teacher who coordinated their study his junior year in high school. So his history teacher was assigning primary sources, and while he was teaching about the colonial period, the English teacher was assigning the scarlet letter. And then so when we started writing history for homeschoolers, we combined what his teachers had done for him when he was in high school. And it's a wonderful story. They only did it that one year, just that one year that Ray was a junior in high school. And then they went their separate ways. And it was just this one-time experiment And we're grateful that homeschoolers in many, many places have gotten to do our history the way we do it because of race experience uh, way back in 1969. But we just think it's the best way to learn. Just life is like that. We learn by, by doing and thinking and experiencing all at the same time, I believe. And I feel really sad for kids who just study one topic at a time. All their classes are separated and nothing in life is that way after they get out of quote school. So I think you're absolutely right. I know as a writer of history myself, I learn so much from writing about it way more than I do when I simply read it. That's that's so interesting that you can trace your approach back to a single year of Ray's high school. That seems so providential. I believe it is. And this it just uh, really amazes me because we started our company to write Bible curriculum. I'm absolutely convinced that our story is providential because we were going to write Bible 
And at our very first convention in 1999, a mother told us she wished somebody would write a Tennessee history. And Ray and I just looked at each other later that day and said, we could do that very naively. (laughs) You know, we could do that. And so we did. We wrote a Tennessee history. And then three years later, he said to me one day, I would really like to write an American history for high school students. I don't know if anybody would buy it, but I'd just like to write it. And I said, (laughs) go for it. And he said, I'm going to do it the way I was taught in high school, and I'm going to add Bible to it. And that's how Notgrass history really started. And after that, it was homeschooling mothers saying, when are you going to write world history? When are you going to have something for first grade? That's how it happened. It really wasn't our idea. Now, have you found any schools also interested in your approach to teaching history, even so much that you've sold products to them? We have. It's not a huge by any means, not a big part of our business, but we do have some Christian schools. Ours is, you know, Christian worldview is woven completely through our curriculum. Interestingly, a lady we go to church with who is in the administration of our local public schools wanted a catalog recently and told us at a restaurant the other day she was getting ready to place an order for them to use our material in an after-school program. I can't wait to see if that really happens. (laughs) That would be very exciting. Yes, you know, we have tutorials and co-ops, of course, who use our curriculum, but we are seeing more interest in Christian schools using our material. And I know you have a a big presence in schools, which is great. We have seen the schools are increasingly desperate for good writing instruction. If, If you look at it very objectively, the writing skills of high school graduates in the United States has been in continuous decline for probably almost 50 years, at least four decades, and pushing five. Uh, This, of course, presents challenges for college teachers, presents challenges for employers. It's, I think, very frustrating for the schools when they don't have something that will help them change that trend. I suspect there's a similar trend, although not quite as concretely measurable as to the decline of the actual teaching of history because it's become somewhat supplanted, I would guess, with the broader general idea of social studies. I believe that is true. I don't know, like you say, I don't know statistically, but I think that has been true for a long time also. And I'm not sure that that they learn so much social studies either. I know when Ray was teaching adjunct at our local university many years ago, I know he you're gonna you're really gonna be shocked by what I'm about to tell you, but he required his students, this is university level, to read one book during his course. It was The Giver. And uh, because uh, we believe that book teaches so strongly what happens to a culture that does not know history. And that's the reason he, it, it is not 
a college level book by any means. It's probably, you know, public school would probably call it about sixth grade. We would say it's high school because of the content. But but anyway, he required him to read that book. And one girl told him it was the first book she'd ever read in her life. And she was Oh a my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I was waiting for the punchline there. <laughs> and I know. And another girl told him she wished life was like the giver, where somebody told you when you were 12 what you had to do the rest of your life. That was another shocker. And then, but another thing he would do when the class began was to give them a, he did this for three semesters. It was a big boost. And actually his notes from teaching that adjunct class were the basis for exploring America when he uh, started to write that. I, we, again, we believe that was providential that he would be asked to teach one adjunct American history class three semesters in a row, right as we were starting uh, Notgrass Company. But anyway, another thing he would do is give them a blank map of the United States and ask them to label it. And that was just appalling. You know, I didn't know that Chicago was a state in the Midwest, but <laughs> one of his students thought it was. I, I guess it depends on if you come from Chicago. <laughs> and it was. That's okay. I, I once asked a student, can you name a country that starts with D? And he said, Dakotas. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a nation. And by the way, Chicago was not in Illinois. <laughs> it was like Missouri or Kansas or somewhere on that uh, map that the student filled out. So I think social studies and history knowledge seems to be pretty abysmal, too. Yeah. Well, and in various places, I think more and more people are looking at homeschooling and alternative school situations because they perceive that the schools are just not either willing or capable or a combination thereof of imparting basic skills, basic literacy, basic knowledge of the country and the world, and it's it's becoming unacceptable. I bet you're meeting a lot of people coming to conferences for the first time. I meet a lot who say, oh, you know, we're, we're thinking about homeschooling. Can we, you know, we're trying to figure out can we really do this or not? What might you say kind of in closing here if someone was wondering, could I, could I really teach history? I don't know a lot of history. Are the materials going to help me do it enough that I can be successful? How do you answer that? type of question when you hear it? Well, parents tell us, I hated history, but now I love it. They tell us my child hated history and now they love it. I'm sure you hear the same thing about writing. My child hated to write and now that they've used IEW, they love it. But we hear that a lot for not just history. But for that mom who's thinking about it, I would tell her, Absolutely, you don't have to know it already. The way we write our curriculum, everything is right there in the curriculum package. Mom doesn't have to do anything outside of what's in those books. And ours are actually student-directed if the mother wants them to be. Now, she can be very involved if she wants to. And we have moms who read it right along with their student, read it to their student, study it together. We also have moms who say, here it is, you go do it, and that's successful also. So no, a mom does not have to ever heard of George Washington to use our curriculum. 
And if if students are doing writing assignments with your curriculum, mm-hmm. then the moms generally grade them, or uh, what kind of coaching or, or help do you have there? We do have uh grading suggestions in our material. When they buy the curriculum package, we will give them advice on how to grade. Ray has written a literary analysis for all the books we suggest for them to read. They have an opportunity to respond to the literature. So yes, we do help them. And we also are very available to our customers. So a customer who, you know, they can email us anything and we get back to them with help. Andrew, as Charlene is talking about the writing assignments and using Not Grass History as a source text, I'm reminded of the podcast we recently recorded and posted on writing across a curriculum and how you can take sources from other places and create your own lessons. And we recommend that teachers who have done IEW, perhaps for a year or so, can do exactly that. So we'll be sure and put a link to that podcast in our show notes, but that would be a really helpful resource. Charlene, I also noticed that you have maps and timelines in your curriculum, which I think is really, really helpful, which also makes me think of, we have just come out with a game that Dr. Webster worked with us to create called Outmatched Ancient History. And I wonder how much of those activities and games would be related to what you have your students study in the ancient world, because I noticed that one of your books are called Adam to Us. Adam meaning Adam and Eve, Eve's husband, Adam. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the concept there is that this is world history from Adam to your student. This is from Adam to us. So in one year, they go from the week of creation to the present time. So that is for grades five through eight. And then for high school, we have exploring world history, which covers the same time period from creation to the present. Well, I'll uh, I'll have to bring you one of our uh, card game sets next time we'll meet up and let you take it home and see what you think. I'd love to see. I'd love to play it. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. So Charlene, if our if our listeners want to learn more about Knotgrass history, where should they go? Well, just come to knotgrass.com. And also, I would like to invite the listeners to join me at my daily blog of encouragement for homeschooling mothers. I have a passion to help homeschooling mothers keep going. And I've been doing this, my actually my five-year anniversary is this coming Sunday. I've done this Monday through Friday consistently now for five years, plan to keep at it, but it's just daily encouragement for a homeschooling mom. And that is notgrass.com slash daily. And we'll be sure to include a link to that also in our show notes, because that's just really wonderful to have just a little bit of honey to start your day. And it's notgrass, N-O-T-G-R-A-S-S, correct? That's correct. And I have never in all of my life, in all of my travels, I have met dozens, if not hundreds of thousands of people, and I have never met anyone except your family with that name. 
I was, we were very excited when Ray's nephew, who's a colonel in the army, was in England just a few years ago, and a British military person, soldier, officer, I don't know who it was. We've just heard the, fa- the families heard the story, but he walked up to Chris and said, ah, not grass, good English name. So that was really fun. <laughs> we have met very, very few who are not related directly related to us. Although back in the day when you could go to a new town and look in the phone book and find out everybody in town, we used to do that. And we have found a few over the uh, years. And we have a really good friend in Waco, Texas now, who Ray found in the phone book. And you won't believe this. Their family left Tennessee, where we live, before the Civil War. And I could have shown my children a photograph of him, and they would not have known it was not Ray's father. Oh, wow. That's how much the genes had gone all those uh, generations. They had stayed in the Notgrass family. Well, I will look forward to the next time we meet, and we'll keep on keeping on, encouraging people in the study of history and the study of writing and the combination and the integration of those subjects. It was really very good of you to take time to join us, Charlene. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'll look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.